Bibles, turn them to John, the Gospel of John, chapter 2. Everybody pretend like you're not here right quick for me. Happy Mother's Day, Mama. Now you can all come back in. I hadn't got to see her today, and so I told her Happy Mama's Day, and I want to do that without all you guys looking, and I appreciate you stepping out for just a moment and letting me tell my mama Happy Mother's Day. And now that I've told my mama Happy Mother's Day, Happy Mother's Day to the rest of you mamas. And if you're not a mama, let's just go ahead and applaud our mamas. Amen. John chapter 2. Before I read this, I want you to sit and soak. I want you to listen. This is 11 verses of the Bible that I sometimes wish wasn't there. Some of you chuckle. Some of you laugh. And by the time I get done preaching, you're going to realize, maybe not you, but why sometimes I wish these wasn't there. Got that? Maybe you'll figure it out as you just sit and soak and I read this. In John chapter 2, it says, On the third day there was a wedding in Cana of Galilee. And the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and His disciples were invited to the wedding. And it says right there in verse 3, And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to Him, They have no wine. Now it's Mother's Day. How would you like your... How, how would you mothers like... From your children, this response. Woman, look at it. Woman, not mama, not mother. Woman, what does that have to do with me? What does your concern have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. I mean, we're just starting to scratch the surface. Can you see why this passage of Scripture gives me just a little bit of trouble with respecting your mom? With this thing called drinking? Are you better understanding why sometimes I wish these Scriptures wasn't there? But they are. What are we going to do with them? Watch this. His mother said to the servants, this is how she responds to him saying, Woman, she don't even talk to him. His mother said to the servants, Whatever, pretty broad, He, that's Jesus, says to you, that's personal, do it, that's obedience. Wouldn't need any other text, that right there will preach. Now there were set there six water pots of stone according to the manner of purification of the Jews, containing twenty or thirty gallons apiece. Jesus said to them, 
fill the water pots with water. They filled them up to the brim, and he said to them, Draw some out now and take it to the master of the feast. And they took it, and when the master of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine... And did not know where it came from, but the servants who had drawn the water knew. The master of the feast called the bridegroom and he said to him, Every man at the beginning sets out the good wine. And when the guests have well drunk, they're drunk, then the inferior. You have kept the good wine until now. Now watch this verse 11. This beginning of signs Jesus did in Cana of Galilee and manifested His glory and His disciples believed in Him. I'm going to preach a sermon today entitled... When the wine runs out. I asked someone sitting in the crowd today, what happens when the wine runs out? And their response is, the women get prettier. Or the women get uglier, I'm sorry. And that was based upon the country song of, girls all get prettier at closing time. But when the wine runs out, that pretty does too. Aren't you glad I'm not going to let him preach this message? Ladies. We really don't need to know what the world says when the wine runs out. We need to know what the Word of God says when the wine runs out. Now look up here and listen, and listen closely. In Bible days, the weddings were so much different than they are now. And there's certain things that have changed. And when they do, and when I realized how they was then and how they are now, and I hear it, there's some things that just drops me to my knees immediately, and I go to praising and thanking God for it. And when I say weddings are not today like they was in Bible days, I immediately get to my knees and say, thank God. Because one of the weddings that I perform, my part's going to be about 15 to 20 minutes, tops. Try to break a record for the quickest one I've ever done, every one I do. Thank God I don't have a seven-day wedding. Did you realize in Bible days the wedding was seven days? Come on. Some of you guys probably need to just thank God. Weddings have changed. But when I say I'm going to preach to you when the wine runs out... What I'm trying to tell you is, in those days and those weddings, if the wine ran out, look up here, major problem. So when the wine runs out, fix your mind, it's a major problem. 
Now, with that being said, any of you ever had a situation? The wine ran out, meaning you got a problem. See, when we look at it like that, when the wine runs out, it's a problem. But in the physical, when the wine runs out, usually the problem's over. Right or wrong? Come on. But get in your mindset, when the wine runs out, here, it's a problem. It's not only a problem, it's a major problem. More on that in a minute. What to do when the wine runs out? What jumps off of these pages of Scripture that if I'm honest with you, and I am, sometimes I wish wasn't even there. What jumps off the pages? Number one. What jumps off the pages when the wine runs out, there's an inaugural miracle. That's awful big words for such a country boy preacher, isn't it? But really, aren't they pretty simple? Inauguration. The beginning of a presidency. See, you guys can't say it any better than I can. We inaugurate our presidents. How's that? And it's the beginning of their presidency. How's that? Took four or five of us. We got it. So when I say to you today, when the wine runs out, this major problem, what jumps off the pages to me, Steve, is the inaugural the beginning, the first miracle. How many of you knew in this text is the very first miracle Jesus ever performed? If you doubt that, just look at verse 11. This is the beginning signs of Jesus. Come on. This is the first. Happens when there's a major problem. And I just want to say this before I preach on. This is pretty much, Miss Bonnie, his first impression. Have you ever heard the old saying, you never get a second chance to make a... You never get a second chance to make a first impression, and this is it. He's fixed to make his first impression with a miracle. And let me just tell you, reverse that. If you don't make a good first impression, you may never get a second chance. Are you guys keeping up with me? So here's what Jesus does to make His first impression concerning a miracle. He'll never get another chance to make a first impression because this is the inaugural first miracle that he would ever perform. And here's what I want you to notice about it. Two things. Are you ready for them? Say, I am. Where it's at. This was the beginning, the signs of Jesus in Cana of Galilee. I would challenge you and tell you to come back if you find Cana mentioned anywhere else in the Bible other than right here. I want to know it. 
I don't think you will, but I'd like to know it. Cana, no scribes, no Pharisees. Cana, not your big religious city like Jerusalem. Cana, maybe you'd better understand. Maisie. Maybe you'd better understand. Moody. Colcord. Maybe you'd better understand if I just said to you, he's in the middle of nowhere. Now, come on, is that how we would do our first impression? Not in America. We ain't even going to do it at Locust Grove, a big town. We're not even going to go to Pryor, a big town. We're not even going to go on to Wagner, John. Look here. If we're going to inaugurate something as big as Tulsa is to you and I, how much stuff even happens at Tulsa? Where are we going? We're going to New York. We're going to Las Vegas. We're going to the biggest city there is if we want to begin something big. Are we not? He goes to the middle of nowhere. Cana of Galilee. Insignificant. But not only where it's at in location, but watch this. Where it's at in event. It's a wedding. And let me just explain to you a little bit more about weddings as we go. Weddings in that day was not a church event. I quit doing weddings a few years ago, and I told people, they said, you can't do that. I said, I have. And I asked them, show me where the preachers in the Bible perform the services. And if you can show me, come on, nobody else ever has. In our time, we think as a wedding, as a church event, as a religious event, don't we? Not in Bible days. Let me put it to you this way. You get an invitation nowadays for weddings, you think, doggone it. Man, I'm going to miss my afternoon. I've got to go for a couple of hours. i got an invitation at wedding, doggone it. You know what happened when you got an invitation to wedding back then? Woo! Party's on. Seven days, the old bride's family is going to buy the booze, they're going to buy the barbecue, they're going to pay the band, and we're going to have a time, we're going to do the watermelon crawl, we're going to do the hoochie coochie, I mean we're going to get it on. You dread getting an invitation to wedding, they didn't back then, we're going to have a party. Come on, study it out. Isn't it just like Jesus? I'm thinking, I don't know if I'd have done my first impression in the middle of nowhere. And come on, He's a holy and a just God. And He's going to a social event where they're going to be boozing. Where they're going to be gluttoning. Where they're going to be doing the watermelon crawl and the hoochie coochie? Come on. Get honest. Don't be too Christian on me today. Just realize that probably ain't how you'd have done it. And aren't you glad we've got a God that don't do it how we do it? I'm going to do my middle of nowhere. 
and I'm going to do it where they're drinking. And they put it like this. I'm going to do it where they're eating and drinking and being merry. Look up here. I get asked by preachers and other Christians, why you guys go to a rodeo? Why would you go somewhere? I mean, that's just kind of a social event for some people. And I was glad it was for some of the calf ropers back in my day. You know, some of them never meant to win a penny, Dusty. They just wanted to go to the rodeo to drink. I love them kind. They never was going to win nothing. I like their money. Because they just pulled in, unloaded their horse, opened their ice chest, and guess what? They're there just to eat and drink and have fun. Care nothing about the roping. You listening to me? Let me tell you about the spectators. Some come to rodeo and they don't ever watch a horse buck, a steer get thrown down. You know why they're there? Eat, drink, and be merry. Have a good time. Look up here. When a preacher or Christian asks me, why would you go to a rodeo, something like a social event in the middle of nowhere, Locust Grove, and they ask me why we do that, you know what my question back to them is, James? Why don't you? You're asking me why we do it? I got a better question for you, preacher man. I got a better question for you, Christian, holier than thou. Why don't you? Go to the social events. Why don't you go to the middle of nowhere to let your light shine? Why don't you go? Somebody come to me last night and said, there's a Coors can in the trash. I said, is it one of exciting Southeast Baptist wives? Or is it one of our guys that was parking cars had enough? Come on, guys. Would you have done the inaugural miracle that way, Steve? I wouldn't. I wished his inaugural miracle would have read that he turned the wine into water. Wouldn't make it easier for me. But he didn't. If I'm going to do the first miracle, come on. I'm probably going to think, I'll tell you what I'm going to do first. Lazarus, come forth. I just think I'd make a little bit more of an impression. And think about it. Jesus was always referred to by that miracle. Look, there's the guy that causes the dead to live. They referred back to that. If I'm going to do the inaugural miracle, I'm going to do something like tell the paraplegic, take up your bed and walk. Wasn't Jesus referred to by that? Hey, there's the guy that makes the lame to walk. If I'm going to do my inaugural miracle, first impression, come on, I'm going to walk on water first. They referred back to that. Hey, there's the guy that tells the wind be still. I never find in Scripture where they refer to him, hey, there's the guy that turns the water to wine. Never. Do they? So come on, let's get honest today. If it's up to you and I, our first impression, our inaugural miracle wouldn't have been this. It wouldn't have been in the middle of nowhere at a social event 
and turning water into wine. But when has Jesus done anything like you or I do it? If you sent your son, born of a virgin, I don't know about you, but I'd had the finest hospital they had, brother. And I'd had the best nurse there was in the country to deliver that boy. What did God do? There's your cow trough. If I'm sending my son to save the world and he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he lives in the palace of all palaces. The son of man didn't have a place to lay his head. If I'm coming to save the world and I'm here for three years and I preach to people and they want to reject me, I'm going to use my authority and I'm going to use my power. I'm going to grab a lightning bolt out of the sky and if you reject me, pow, go to hell. Ain't that how you and I would have done it? Not him. I'm going to be born in a cow stable. I'm not going to have a home. And when it comes to save them, I'm not going to kill them. I'm going to die. I'm just telling you the things that he does sometimes to me leaves me scratching my head. But don't you ever forget, he's perfect. And he knew how to bring in his inaugural miracle. Maybe because we would better understand he cares about the places in the middle of nowhere. And he cares about the people that don't even give him a second thought because they're eating and drinking and being merry. I don't need to go to the church event. They already know about me. I need to march in the middle of nowhere to a bunch of people that's eating and drinking and being merry. That's where I'm going to show up first. Amen. Man, didn't we have a good time in the middle of nowhere on a social event? I'm talking about we've had souls saved and lives changed all the way through it. That just says to me we might ought to take a little lesson from the inaugural miracle and get to the middle of nowhere in the middle of social events and let God manifest himself. For his glory. And all of God's people said, Amen and Amen. But as Gary Caldwell says, secondly, we see emerging off the pages. What jumps out number two when the wine runs out? Are you staying with me? Say, I am. We see the inaugural miracles. Everybody get that? Pretty simple, ain't it? But secondly, we see an influential mother. Don't we? Now, Craig, we talked about it last night. Listen, mothers, I'm going to address you. It's going to get real. You're an influence one way or the other. You're either a good one or a bad one. I would ask you as a mother, as a daddy, how was your parent as an influence? And some of you would have to say, Really good. Some of you would have to say, 
really bad. And there really ain't nothing you can do about the influence of your mama or your daddy. But let's get this real. What kind of influence are you, mama? What kind of influence are you, daddy? Don't worry about your mama and your daddy. What kind of influence are you to your child? Because as Craig and I talked about this last night, it's possible to be a good influence or a bad influence, but you're going to be an influence. Some people brighten the room. No, every person brightens the room. Some when they come in, some when they leave. And when it comes to influence, listen to me, I want to be the good. And you ought to want to be the good. And when it comes to brightening up the room, your desire ought to want to do it entering and not exiting. Everybody got that? So this influential mother, was she a good influence, Dave, or was she a bad influence? I think you'll agree with me in just a moment. Good. When they run out of wine, which was a major problem, let me just talk a little bit. I'm not trying to teach you too much on weddings at once. I'm giving you little hints along the way. When somebody got married, the bride's family, they had to foot the bill. Okay? Still that way today. Glenn Clark owes me $52,000 for Trey and Reagan's wedding. What are you shaking your head for, Nettie? That's what I charge. And I probably won't ever see a penny of it. It's causing some family problems right now with us. I'm just joking. Some of you are saying, golly, that's, that. he asked me what we charge for our house. And I looked at some of these wedding venues because that's where they got married. Okay? How many, how many of you rented a wedding venue? Pretty expensive. You rent it for one night? Let's go back to Bible days. Times it times seven. Oh, what, 2500 a night? Oh, I didn't pay that preacher. A thousand times seven? Seven thousand. The bride's family had to get the venue. Oh, they got married. Okay, let's take the venue away. You say that, you can't do that. Okay, fine. We're having it at our house. That don't cost us nothing. The whole town's coming. Seven days, they're not leaving. Porta potties. Breakfast. Dinner. Lunch. And by the way, this is a social event. There ain't going to be a time of day they don't need to find something to drink. Staying with me? And when you run out of wine, I told you it's a problem. It could actually call the marriage off if the bride's family couldn't cover the expenses. Marriage off. Major problems. Bride's, bride's family can't do it. Embarrassing. Can't afford to get my daughter married. Are you with me? Now do you understand better running out of wine? It's a major 
problem here. What's this influential mother? Good influence. And when they'd run out of wine, number one, she know where to go for the problem. Where'd she go? Jesus. You want to be a good influence? You better know and you better teach people, your kids, where to go when there's a problem. She went to Jesus. They've ran out of wine. Watch this. Woman. Anybody struggle with that? You want me to fix it for you? Ain't that what they say in them, in them black churches? They'll be preaching. One of them black ladies won't understand what the preacher says. He's going to hundred. And, and we learned that here. I've preached at three black churches. I mean, they'll preach your, they'll preach you to death. You guys, you just let me kind of do what I want to do. They'll preach you. They'll go to waving flags at you. They, I mean, they, they, they get kind of rowdy. And when here I preach one sermon, when I go to a black church, I've got to have four ready. There ain't no hurry to get to the restaurants. Keep up preaching, brother. But when you say something they don't understand, here's what I learned about them. Fix it! Fix it! <laughs> Somebody need this fixed? If I was at a black church... She went to him and said, they've run out of wine. And he looks at her and says, woman, they'd say, fix that. <laughs> it's Mother's Day. Mama, uh-uh, woman. You ready for me to fix it? She went to him, not as her son. She went to him as his son. There's not a scripture that's better to illustrate to us that Jesus was fully God as if he was no man and fully man as if he was no God than where you got your Bibles open. When she goes to him with that kind of problem, Mary's son, the man side of Jesus, he can't fix that problem. You stand with me? So when he answers her, he's not answering her as her boy. He's answering her as God's boy. He goes from being the son of Mary to the son of God right here. Woman, in other words, I can't handle this as a man. Woman, she just, everything that she had pondered in her heart from the time that that angel showed up to the time that they went back to get him in the temple when she was 12. What does the Bible say about Mary? She just ponders this thing. It's fixing to come out. She's pondered and she's pondered. Woman, I mean, one preacher said, if I'd answered my mama, I, one time I called her by her first name even. And it took me two weeks to get my teeth out of my throat. And I read this one day when she comes to him and says, they ran out of wine and he turns around and says, woman, I went to my mom and said, you owe me an apology. And you need to pay the dentist bill where you busted my mouth up. Because Jesus called his mom, not by her first name, not Mary, not mama, woman. It's fixed for you. He addressed her because he is now the son of God. When there's a problem, he's got to be God. You with me? And so that ought to be fixed for you. He's answering her as God's son, not her son. 
Because when she come to him, knowing where to go, that's an influential mother, isn't it? With a problem. He knew I've got to be God to fix this problem. Okay? Mamas, don't you want to be a good influence on your kid? Teach them where to go when you run out of wine. Teach them where to go when you got a problem. And the world tries to tell us a lot of different places. Mama, you want to be a good mama? Tell them there's one place to go. And that's to the throne room where you can meet up with Jesus. Amen. And then she's a good influence because when, when he says, Woman, what's your concern got to do with me? My hour's not come. Let me just ask you something. I mean, do you ever feel like when you go to Jesus, you get that answer? You say, explain that, Rob. I mean, sometimes we just think something's too little to go with God. So, something, oh, I don't want to, I hear people say, I don't want to bother God with that. And, and when we take something little to Him, we almost feel it ain't Him, but we almost feel like, you know, what's that got to do with anything? We're praying for something little. I don't want to bother Him. It's really something big to me. But look here, sometimes we feel like Mary must have felt here. Woman, what's that got to do with me? I mean, I went to prayer one time and I thought of that old saying, when I, I poured my heart out to God, I, it just was as if He said to me, what's that got to do with the price of rice in China, boy? In other words, it ain't got nothing to do with it. But you know what? Sometimes, as anybody, am I the Lone Ranger? Sometimes when I leave the throne room of God, I feel like Mary must have felt right here. Did he hear me? What's that got to do with anything? She teaches us something. Not only where to go with the problem, who to trust and obey in the problem. She doesn't even respond to those feelings. What does she do? She just turns to his buddies and says, whatever he says, do it. Mamas, you want to be a good influence on your kids? Best thing you can do, can I borrow this? Is you can put that in front of them and say, whatever this says, do it. Trust it and obey it. When you've got a problem, this is where to go. When you've got a problem, this is what you do. Come on, mamas. I think she's a pretty influential mama. Whatever he says, do it. And it's evident, whatever he said, they done it. Because what comes thirdly off the pages in this when the wine runs out, what come off first? His inaugural miracle. Where it was at, what it was. What comes off the pages secondly? An influential mother. She knew where to go with her problem. And she told them who to trust with the problem. It's pretty simple. Preaches itself, don't it? But thirdly, and I'll be through, what jumps off the pages when the wine runs out is there's an informational message here. Quite a bit of information right here, isn't there? You say, well, I don't know. What is it? There's a picture. The pots are clay. They're stone. 
I think the Bible says we are the clay and He is the... We're just a piece of clay. Don't ever forget that. Got it? The pots are empty. How many people, just pieces of clay, are empty in this world? Now look up here and don't, don't, don't lose me. How many people try to fill it with the wrong things? Empty. Avoid. You try to fill it with alcohol. You try to fill it with drugs. You try to fill it with things. You try to fill it with relationships. You try to fill it with everything. And you're trying to fill a square hole with something round. And it leaves you just like these water pots. Empty. Whatever he says to you, do it. The pots, that's us, just a piece of clay. Empty, that's just like us. Fill them with water. Water is a representation of none other than the Word of God. What do you got to do when you're empty? You got to get filled with the living water. You got to get filled with the Word of God. Right? And all of a sudden, these vessels that were empty are filled with water. What happens when we, just a piece of clay, get molded into a vessel and we get filled with, thus saith the Word of God? Pretty good information here, huh? Now watch this. They done what he said. Take that to the master of the feasts. And they take it, Dave. And they draw him out a little sip. This is good information right here. And I've got to be careful right here. I scared a lady half to death on the front row. Because I get pretty fired up, excited here. I'm going to contain myself. He gets him a sip. Don't anybody jump. I, I, they tell me that I've made a few stain our seats. And I'm trying to prepare you for this. When he gets a sip, here's what he does. You read it. In my sanctified imagination, here's what he does. Goodness gracious! Wow! Read it. Get the bridegroom over here. He probably got him another hit or two while the bridegroom was coming. Get him over here. This ain't how everybody does it. They set out the good stuff first. And when these people get drunk, look, they're drunk. We get the cheap stuff. Because they're so drunk they don't know what they're drinking. Get the dollar bottle. But when he took a sip of that, Bob, he went, whoa! He didn't know where it come from. Parentheses, your Bible's got parentheses. But the servants, 
Come on, answer me back. They knew where it come from. You want a pretty good incentive to be in the center of God's will and be in His inner circle? You might know something nobody else does. God reveals to His people things He's doing. You get outside that circle, you'll be like the master of this feast. You won't have a clue what's going on. Is that not right in our world today? He said, whoa! But don't miss this. This ain't how we do it. That's the whole 11 verses. (laughs) We're not going to do it like mankind. We're going to do it how God does it. When I put my hand on it, it's better at the end. You guys do it. You think it's good at the beginning. I'm going to make it better. When you let me in, it's going to get better. I'm like the master of this feast. When he filled me with the water, I had to say, Whoa! This is good stuff. Amen? So look here. Man, this is different than we've ever done it. And this is a good information for you and I. Just a pieces of clay, empty. But when we get filled with the water, It gets better and better and better. And all God's people ought to be saying amen and amen. So it's really pretty good stuff, ain't it? So for a passage that sometimes caused me a lot of headache, well, I can justify drinking because he turned the water into wine, and that's when I wish he'd have turned the wine into water because there's so many verses that tell us we shouldn't be drinking. But Jesus can handle that. You get saved and you'll learn that. You'll quit trying to justify doing it your way. And when you truly meet Jesus, it'll get better than it's ever been before. And you'll realize your way really wasn't the way. Anyway, I've never tasted it this good. Reminded me when I read it last night, Ollie, of Truett's memory verse. He's struggling just a little bit. He's got 1 John 4, 19 down. We love because he first loved us, Pastor Paul. 1 John 4, 19. Oh, he's got Matthew 28, 6 down. He's not here. He's risen. Just like he said, Pastor Paul. Matthew 28, 6. You know what his memory verse is now? Let me just tell you, his favorite cattle that we raise, it's not the Red Angus, it's not the Heat Tolerant, it's the Corinthes, them flat-horned cattle, past Paul. I'll rope them around the horns and you get their feet. His third memory verse comes from 1 Corinthians. <laughs> Reagan called and said, we're struggling. He's calling it 1 Corinthians. Look here. The other day I said, what's your verse? Jesus shows us 
He didn't only say what to do. He showed us what to do. He turned it into the best wine. What's your memory verse, Truett? Whatever you do, do it for the glory of God. 1 Corinthians 10.31 Whatever you do, you ought to do it for the glory of God. And let me tell you, it'll be just as backwards to you as it was right here. In the middle of nowhere at a social event. Thank God there was some influence in the middle of nowhere. Come on, that'll preach. At a social event. Don't go join them. Go be an influence there. Good one. Not a bad one. Huh? And there's a message. And I've took, doggone, 40 minutes to preach at. And there's one verse that I could have come in and read, and we could have done beat every denomination to the restaurants. I mean, I didn't have to carry on like that, did I? Verse 5, won't you look at it? I mean, you talk about simplified this and done it in three minutes. Whatever. That's broad. Whatever. He, that's Jesus, says to you, that's personal. Do it. Obey. I preach, Dave. Whatever's broad. I'm pretty sure that's broad. Whatever. He, that's Jesus. He's the king. He just showed you. I'm the miracle worker. Says to you. That's personal. Get in that circle. He's talking to you this morning. Obey whatever he says to you. Do it. Look here. A crowd this size today, you know what he's going to say to somebody? You need to get saved. You've sat on a church pew. You've, you've had a false hope of a decision you made as a kid. You've had a false hope in a prayer you prayed. And today, he's telling you, get saved. But some of you saved and you struggled with it. If you're saved, he's saying to you, get assurance. Base it off the Bible. you got to get in your circle. Some of you's never been baptized after your conversion. And he's saying to you today, get baptized. Whatever's broad, get saved. Get assurance. Get baptized. Whatever he says to you, that's broad. It's time you quit just sitting and it's time you start serving. Somebody today, he's saying to you, serve. Some of you today, you've never shared your faith. You've never been the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And he's saying to you, start witnessing. Start shining. Start being the light that I called you to be. Be the salt that I called you to be. It's broad today. And what this message speaks to you or you may be completely different to you and you. But the bottom line, I could have summed it up in one minute. Whatever He, Jesus, says to you personally, do it. So now, 
It's time to respond. And some of you, guess what? You're in a place in your life, the wine's run out. Don't forget what that means. you got a problem. And it's major. And if the wine run out, this was a major family problem. It could have been the marriage. Is your marriage the problem today? Whatever he says to you, get up here. Let's all stand. Father, we love you. We praise you. And whatever you're speaking to people, whether it's a Christian that needs to serve, a marriage that has a problem, a lost person that needs to be saved. Father, I pray we wouldn't worry about a Mother's Day dinner that we've got planned. Father, I pray we wouldn't worry about anything that's going to happen after we leave this building. Father, I pray right now that we would just search our hearts. And right now, whatever you are saying to people, that they would respond and they'd be obedient to it. If you're here today and you need to be saved, come. You need to be serving. You need to be baptized. Whatever He says to you, do it. It's just that simple. Father, bless now in Jesus' name. Amen. You need to be saved today. Come on. Come on.